This podcast is brought to you by EverythingVoluntary.com. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Thinking and Doing. In this podcast, I examine logical fallacies, cognitive biases, stoic teachings from masters past and present, and tips on being better at life. I hope it will be as instructive to you as it is to me in the pursuit of thinking and doing well. If you'd like to kick back a small commission from every Amazon purchase you make at no extra cost to you, please use and bookmark our special link at AmazonEVC.com. That's AmazonEVC.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. In this episode, we're going to look at some Stoic teachings, but before we do that, I just wanted to share some news. The person who first introduced me to Stoicism, his name is Carl Watner, uh, recently passed away yesterday or by the time this was released a couple days ago. He passed away after a battle with cancer. Um, I first discovered Carl Watner. Uh, through political philosophy when I, years ago, let's see, probably about 10 years ago, maybe 11, maybe 12, when I discovered the website voluntarist.com. The Voluntarist was a scholarly journal slash newsletter published by Carl Wattner, uh, originally founded by Carl Wattner, and libertarian feminist Wendy McElroy, and uh, libertarian historian George H. Smith. They were the, the founding members of the Voluntarist. So when I discovered Voluntarist.com, I discovered Carl Wattner and all of his work, and I did have a small opportunity to collaborate with him. I published a couple of his essays in my first book, Everything Voluntary, From Politics to Parenting. And I even uh, published his book, I Must Speak Out, in large print edition over at largeprintliberty.com, which is my small business. And I'll mention some more stuff, I suppose, in a blog post today um, about that. But he had mentioned in a couple of places this idea of stoicism. I had not really heard of it before. I I think I had heard of it, but more in the context of, you know, Star Trek and Spock and sort of the the misinformed way about what it is. So I first, um, it was, you know, a couple of things had been pointed out by him about the Stoics and some of his longer essays about other things. And that got me kind of thinking about what Stoicism is. And I, I kind of ruminated for a bit. Um, and I'd read some things here and there about it, but my study didn't really kick in until I started this podcast, which I started it a couple of years ago. I record a few, recorded, I think, six episodes, and then I went on hiatus from recording either of my podcasts, and then I recently came back, back in March, and I've been consistently recording it ever since. So now I'm definitely looking at these things, uh, you know, weekly and reading about them, talking about them, thinking about them applying them in my life. So that's uh, all because of 
this person, Carl Wagner. I do want to read just a short clip from an article he wrote where he describes his political slash philosophical journey towards becoming a voluntarist and how that's wrapped up in a broader search for truth. But he wrote this bit here. This is where he references Stoicism in this particular essay, and he's referenced it in other places as well. But let me just read this. He says, The basic ideas presented by Murray Rothbard had a tremendous impact on me. The axioms of self-ownership and homesteading, which he identified and wrote about extensively, form the basis of a proprietary theory of justice, a standard of right and wrong, which was independent of the determination of government courts, apologists, and or propagandists. Rose Wilder Lane's and Bob Lefevre's emphasis on freedom as self-control led me to conclude that ultimately I am responsible for what I choose to do, even if I am threatened by outside coercive actors. I came to agree with the ancient Stoic outlook that there are some actions which one cannot perform even if one is to be imprisoned or killed for not doing them. Obeying superior orders was no justification at the Nuremberg trials. Only those with a strong conscience and independent mind can say, No, I will not do this. It is wrong. So that's the passage from this essay. Um, I think I do want to also read the two passages from the essay I published as chapter three in my book, Everything Voluntary, which is titled uh, Fundamentals of Voluntarism. He lists um, a number of arguments. He's got the epistemological argument, the economic argument, the moral argument. And in the section where it says the natural law argument, he references Epictetus. Let me read this as well. He says, Common sense and reason tell us that nothing can be right by legislative enactment if it is not already right by nature. Epictetus, the Stoic, urged men to defy tyrants in such a way as to cast doubt on the necessity of government itself. Quote, if the government directed them to do something that their reason opposed, they were to defy the government. If it told them to do what their reason would have told them to do anyway, they did not need a government. End quote. Just as we do not require a state to dictate what is right or wrong in growing food, manu- excuse me, manufacturing textiles or in steelmaking, we do not need a government to dictate standards and procedures in any field of endeavor. In spite of the legislature, The snow will fall when the sun is in Capricorn, and the flowers will bloom when it is in Cancer. That's the end of that passage. And down in the integrity, self-control, and corruption argument, he writes this. It is a fact of human nature that the only person who can think with you, with your brain, is you. Neither can a person be compelled to do anything against his or her will, for each person is ultimately responsible for his or her own actions. Governments try to terrorize individuals into submitting to tyranny by grabbing their bodies as hostages and trying to destroy their spirits. This strategy is not successful against the person who harbors the stoic attitude toward life, and who refuses to allow pain to disturb the equanimity of his or her own mind and the exercise of reason. A government might destroy one's body or property, but it cannot injure one's philosophy of life. Furthermore, The voluntarist rejects the use of political power because it can only be exercised by implicitly endorsing or using violence to accomplish one's ends. All right, well, I will, I guess I'll link to those those two essays if you're curious about voluntarism as a, it it is a political philosophy, mostly how uh, people like Carl Wattner write about it. I have expanded it to include 
parenting and childhood education, really a a much broader application of the voluntary principle to really every facet of our lives and for all age groups. That's really what I focus on in my other podcasts. So I'm not going to really get into that or anything because this podcast is not the place for that. And I'll respect that. But I did want to share with you some insight um, on stoicism from the person who introduced it to me and sadly has recently passed away. So rest in peace, Carl Wagner. All right, let's uh, move forward. We're going to look at the entry for June 24th from the Daily Stoic, published by Ryan Holiday and Stephen Hanselman. And then we're going to look at something that somebody created related to the Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian. So I'm going to give you a spoiler warning if you're not caught up with uh, halfway through or a little bit more than halfway through season two. I think I think this spoiler will involve season two, episode five. So I'll give you that spoiler warning now, and I'll give it I'll give it again later. It's not a major spoiler, but you know if if Anyway, you've been warned. <laughs> okay, this entry on June 24th from the Daily Stoic starts with a quote by Epictetus. He writes, The beautiful and good person neither fights with anyone nor, as much as they're able, permits others to fight. This is the meaning of getting an education, learning what is your own affair and what is not. If a person carries themselves so, where is there any room for fighting? Okay, I don't know yet what the editor's uh, comment on this, but let me tell you what I'm thinking about. When he's using the word fight, I'm interpreting this as arguing, kind of a philosophical fight or an intellectual or an academic fight, if you will. And what it sounds to me like he's saying is the first step is to learn, is to learn what, to learn what you know about, what you're the expert in, and to distinguish that from what you are not the expert in. So in other words, if you are if you prevent yourself from speaking out of school as it as it goes, then you're not going to be arguing with people who are the experts in in, you know, more so than you in whatever you're talking about. Um and if and and conversely, not only will you know what you don't know about, but you'll know what you do know about. And if you're truly educated, then you're, you truly carry some expertise. Then what's the point in arguing about it with people who themselves are arguing out of school, right? You don't see a lot of, um, professional academics and intellectuals on social media, social media getting into arguments, <laughs> right? Because you know, for a lot of these guys, they know what they know. They know where their expertise uh, begins and where it ends. And they don't really feel the need to argue with random strangers on the internet, which I'll admit I do that. So what is the alternative? I mean, it's, it's fun. Okay. It, it, it's kind of, it's kind of an interesting pastime to sit, you know, and argue with people. And very often I am put in my place. And of course, nobody ever likes to admit that. So you just say something snarky or sarcastic and try to hold your ego together. <laughs> I'm working on it. But I suppose um, the more fruitful way to go would be not to sit and argue and debate with people, but rather to just ask questions. 
And you don't have to ask questions in order to try to trap people. You can just ask questions to figure to learn more about them to figure out what it is they think they know and why they think they know it and where that comes from and what their sources are and maybe make some friends in the process. That seems like something a truly educated person would do rather than, you know, being quarrelsome on the internet or, you know, obviously there was no internet back in that day. It was the town square or the cafe or whatever where you would get in these discussions with people. But, you know, nobody's perfect. It is sometimes exciting to get into a bit of a quarrel with somebody over some academic subject. But it's also important to remember where your expertise begins and where it ends, which is why asking questions and figuring out what people know and how they know it can help you understand what their expertise is and where it ends. And if they're speaking out of school, then you can, you know, not use it against them, but Help them remember that fact and then maybe agree to, uh, look, we're, we're both arguing out of school here. Let's, let's maybe um, step back and get some more education on this before we continue with this. So, all right, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Let's see what the commentators say. They say, Socrates famously traveled around Athens approaching the people he disagreed with most and engaging them in long discussions. In these discussions, or what record we have of them, there are many examples of a conversation mates getting exasperated, upset, or aggravated by as many questions. Indeed, the people of Athens eventually got so upset they sentenced Socrates to death. But Socrates never seemed to get upset himself. Even when talking about matters of life and death, he always kept his cool. He was much more interested in hearing what the other person had to say than making sure he was heard, or, as most of us insist upon, winning the argument. The next time you face a political dispute or a personal disagreement, ask yourself, is there any reason to fight about this? Is arguing going to help solve anything? Would an educated or wise person really be as quarrelsome as you might initially be inclined to be? Or would they take a breath, relax, and resist the temptation for conflict? Just think of what you could accomplish and how much better you would feel if you could conquer the need to fight and win every tiny little thing. Okay, so that's the end of their commentary, and that's that's close to what I talked about. They sort of brought in there at the end this idea that for a lot of people, arguing and the the struggle to be right is sort of something they feel uh, strongly inclined to do for whatever reason. Maybe it's due to an insecurity about something. Maybe it's vanity. Maybe who knows? So I, I like that. I like bringing that into this. Right. Somebody who knows their expertise, they know where it begins and where it ends. They don't, they don't really need to, to argue and get upset with people because the person they're talking with either knows more about it, in which case you should be asking questions to learn more, uh, or the person you're arguing with knows less than you do. And it's like arguing with a child, right? Who goes around fighting with children, right? In a sense, in an intellectual sense, they are beneath you. So so why would you sit and argue? Why would you get heated about that? Um, I like that. I like looking at it, at it that way. And if it's some random stranger on the internet, you probably don't know. And this is kind of where I get in trouble because I'll say some things and then I'll challenge them. And then, you know, they happen to say the right thing back. And I realize they may be more into this thing than I am and have a greater idea. It doesn't mean everything they think about it is correct, but it's still obvious that I'm outgunned here, if you will. So I think the way forward 
is to size people up. If you're going to if you're going to intellectually spar with somebody, spend some time sizing them up. Get to know them, who they are, where their training comes from, what they're interested in. Maybe they're maybe they're like me, they're an amateur in everything, right? They're just all self-taught, but they've also been, you know, really dug into some things. Um or maybe they're professionally taught. Get to know that uh figure that out and then you'll probably be less likely to go go to gloves with somebody you know outweighs you <laughs> and you can spare yourself the embarrassment so if if ego is your problem and vanity is your problem consider embarrassment consider what embarrassment will do to your ego and vanity and let that motivate you to to shut up and get to know them and size them up before you get into it with them. And the other thing you should do, I think, I'm throwing, I'm throwing around a lot of shoulds here. It's fine. <laughs> After you do size them up and you realize that they are, that they are in a lower weight class than you, then you'll probably, you probably won't feel the need to conquer them in order to boost your ego. So allow your ego in this sense to keep you from embarrassment and to keep you from doing something that your ego doesn't need. There you go. I just came up with that. All right. Okay. So that's that's going to be it for that. Let's go on to the final thing. I'm going to give you another spoiler warning for The Mandalorian on Disney Plus, which is which is a fantastic series. It's really redeeming Star Wars after the disastrous movies of late uh, in my eyes and in the eyes of a lot of people. So if you haven't started watching that, uh, I highly recommend it. It's very good, and it's it's fun for the whole family. Okay, so this is some artwork that somebody made of Grogu as an old master. He's, in, you know, in this picture, he's probably eight or 900 years old, probably like Yoda was. And if you don't know, because you don't watch it and you don't care about spoilers, Grogu is the name of the baby Yoda character. We learned his name uh, in episode five of season two, we didn't, nobody knew his name. He was just called by production. He was called the child and by popular culture, by everybody else, he was called baby Yoda because he's the same species that Yoda was the little, the little green aliens with the big ears. And he's super cute. And that's, you know, kids love watching the show for that reason. And adults love watching it for the stories and everything else. So can't recommend it enough. Anyway, here's some artwork of him as as an elder, okay, and it says there's some dialogue here that I thought was, was, in my opinion, there's some issues with the Jedi. And I'll find a video or two that I watched kind of looking at the Jedi and some of their teachings and really kind of how dangerous they are that I really liked. So I think it's, I, I originally read this, but then somebody... Um, on YouTube, and I'll link to this, uh, put it together as a video on why the Jedi probably aren't aren't the good guys. But this dialogue, I would say, uses Stoicism to fix the Jedi. Okay, so he's, and I'll link to this, and you can, you can look at it, the artwork, it's pretty good. He's sitting there in some of his Mandalorian armor as an elder um, member of his species. And I suppose somebody's speaking with him, and they say, Master Grogu, I thought Jedi were not supposed to form attachments. Let me back up. He's holding in his hand this little ball that is part of the ship that he's um, flying around in with the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian ship, the Razor Crest. 
this is a piece from that ship. So the fact that he's holding this piece demonstrates that he has, that this is important to him, that he has some attachment to this person who would have passed away centuries ago, who was there for him when he was, when he was, was younger. And he, and he also has his own Jedi powers. Okay. He can wield the force. And I guess by this time, he's probably a master at it. Okay. So let me start over. It says, Master Grogu, I thought Jedi were not supposed to form attachments. Atta uh, Grogu says, attachments do not lead to the dark side. Fear of losing them does. The other person, I do not understand. You can be attached to something, but not fear to lose it. Grogu, treasure those around you while you can and rejoice when they return to the force. You mean when they die? Grogu, death is a natural part of life. I wish it weren't, Grogu, but it is. Once you accept that, the dark side will never take you. I have to live knowing that life and death are inseparable? It sounds impossible, Grogu. No, Padawan, it is not impossible. It is the way. So that was absolutely beautiful, I think. And I think it introduces Stoicism. And of course, there's no, there's no ancient Stoics in, in this galaxy, you know, a long time ago, far, far away. But I think that as far as that aspect of the Jedi teachings is concerned about attachments and losing them and, and you know, like Anakin Skywalker, the fear of losing your loved one pushed you to the dark side and you ended up becoming uh, a bit of a tyrant, I would say, and a master of the dark side. Accepting, uh, treasuring while you can, and then rejoicing when they return to the force when they die, and accepting that death is a natural part of life, right? It kind of takes this backward Jedi idea and fixes it. So I really like that. And when this, when I first saw this in the Star Wars subreddit, I actually cross-posted it over to the Stoicism subreddit, and a lot of people liked it as well. And I, I like where he says, once you accept that, the dark side will never take you. So we don't have the force, right? We don't have the, the light side and the dark side and all this stuff. But we, in a, in, in a way, we do, right? You can be a good, virtuous person. Or you can be a terrible, vicious person. You can stay on the side of good and light, or you can move to the dark side through fear of loss and jealousy and hatred and all of those things. Or you can make yourself invulnerable to that pull through stoicism. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you like these episodes, do more for yourself. Buy the Daily Stoic and read it every day, or buy meditations, or any of the other ancient Stoic works, and read a bit every day, and apply it, and be mindful of it, and I think it will be helpful. I think the world could use more Stoics. Okay, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening, and have a better day. Please send your comments or questions to thinkinganddoingpodcast at gmail.com. Please consider supporting this podcast at everythingvoluntary.com by visiting patreon.com forward slash EVC or paypal.me forward slash everything voluntary. Thank you.